So Luke discovers there's not an uncle or dead and says that he'll, he wants to go to Alderaan with Obi-Wan and become a Jedi like his father. So they decide to speed all the way down to Mos Eisley to find somebody who can shuttle them out of Tatooine and get a little bit closer to Alderaan. Uh, Mos Eisley is a rough place. Uh, they come across Han Solo and Chewbacca, uh, the pilot and co-pilot of the Millennium Falcon, who can get them to Alderaan for 17,000 credits. All the while, they're being tracked by Imperial troops who really just want R2 back. They've been able to evade them using the Force and some minor uh, bar-ruffian distractions, uh, but ultimately they are captured just as they are boarding the Millennium Falcon. Or not so much captured, but they're spotted and there's a shootout. Yes, and the Millennium Falcon gets away, Han puts them into light speed, um, and then they're safe from there. Uh, Tarkin then pulls Leia uh, in and tries to get her to reveal the location of the rest of the rebel force. Loyal as always, she gives a fake answer, and he doesn't really realize it's fake, but it's no good anyway. He decides to blow up Alderaan anyway just for shits and giggles. She gets really upset, and then they realize later she was lying anyway. Obi-Wan senses a disturbance in the Force as Luke talks about how he wants to become a Jedi. That's right. Really, really, really great 20. Yes, a lot happens. Holy moly, so much happens. Han Solo, I'm captain of the Millennium Falcon. Chewie here tells me you're looking for passage to the Alderaan system. Like, it's so amazing to me that you meet Han Solo and then you're on his ship, like, flying away, having an adventure within the same 20 minutes. I know, it's really quick. Yeah. In that cantina scene, oh my god, what a great scene. It goes through, and the number of species that are introduced. It's so and, ludicrous. What do you mean? It's just like, I mean, it's, it's. I, I know I made a big case last week about how Star Wars characters don't have to look real, but they just look preposterous in the in the cantina scene. Not all of them. No, I guess. I mean, the, the guy with like the vagina face who gets mad, he doesn't like you. I don't like you either. Oh, yes. And then the guy with the weird nose, like the two of them together, that's actually pretty good makeup. Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, they're uh, in Rogue One. That's the that's a fun little tidbit. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, they showed up again there. Uh, w- w- this is kind of uh, jumping ahead a little bit, but like, why is he wanted for the death penalty in Twelve Systems? Uh, so his name is uh, Doctor Cornelius uh, Evasan, I believe. No, it's not. And it's Ponda Baba. It's is... not Doctor Cornelius. Doctor Cornelius uh, Evasan. Yep, that's it. <laughs> Oh my god. And his side. Does he have a dental practice? Uh, no, he was a surgeon, but he would just, you know, fuck people's faces up. And uh, then, of course, <laughs> to himself, he had a little bit of cosmetic alterations as well and looked pretty darn ugly. Really? Yep. And he was on the run, uh, wanted in 12 systems. Like He's a said. plastic surgery joke? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I think that's kind of what they go on. He's a surgeon. That's what the character is, and oh he's he met up with uh, when he had a, a hit out on him. There was a hit out on him, and Ponda Baba, uh, the other bounty hunter, the one with the the stupid face who's just squealing, and the one who initially doesn't like Luke, right? Um, and he he freed or um, revealed information to uh, Cornelius to to make sure that he would get away, and so they became partners like Han and Chewie. And they just pirated their way across the galaxy as criminals. That's kind of an interesting story. Yeah. So there are all kinds of people populating the cantina who you could dig into the backstory of. Yes. Uh, many of whom I'm sure do have backstories. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greedo, of course, is extremely interesting just because it's the first time we ever see exactly how uh, dirty Han 
Han can be. I mean, and I'm not talking about Han shot first. I just mean like exactly the kind of mud this guy gets him into. That's true, definitely. One thing that's interesting is from a certain point of view, uh, the book that tells uh, A New Hope from different side characters' point of views and the story that kind of surrounds it for them. Uh, and hearing Greedo's side of it was interesting to okay. hear his perspective on the cantina scene and who he believes Han Solo to be. Like, he despises Han Solo, right. absolutely hates him. Uh, there were implications to the fact that Han Solo was the reason that he's no longer with the the woman he loves. Uh, Greedo <laughs> is super depressed. Really? Uh, he works very closely with Jabba and has a good relationship with Jabba. Um, he's hated by the cantina band. Uh, really? <laughs> he's Greedo is considered, like the lowest of the low he is slime wow he is a putrid person it's He's so funny because a couple of weeks ago you had said that character. the greedo was played by a woman and for the first time ever i saw greedo as feminine oh yeah yeah just like knowing that in the back of my head suddenly he had like woman shoulders <laughs> really? yeah i was like oh that's a woman that's clearly a woman yeah high heels can we talk about han shot first a little bit sure absolutely because the clip that we watched is in fact a remastered edition that mm -hmm. has this new stuff that wasn't the original film uh including uh greedo firing the first shot which is of course ridiculous and yes. never should have been done and george lucas edited it that way afterward because he wants Han to be heroic and he doesn't think Han would do something murderous when of course Han would. Han is a scumbag. Yep. What was really interesting was also from a certain point of view, it does not imply that Greedo shoots first. Is that right? It implies Han shoots first. Okay. Uh, it ends with something along the lines like like with a with an instant or with a flash. Um, like but it does not imply at all that Greedo shoots first, which I thought was really interesting because of the backlash that Han shooting first versus Greedo shooting first has gotten, mm -hmm. that this book took kind of a, a step away so that it was like, we're not going to even say anything on it. Yeah. We're not going we're to be to, apolitical. Yeah, we're not going to confirm Greedo shooting first, and we're not going to say Han shot first. We can even imply that Han shot first here. Is it fair to say that that canon is ambiguous? Like, technically, because George still owned the saga at the time he made those changes, you could definitely argue that Han shooting first is not canon anymore? Yeah, definitely. Can't really canon has Han shooting second. That's so disappointing. I know, it's dumb. It's so dumb. Can we talk about another thing that he added to this film? All of the ridiculous creatures that are roaming around most Eisley that look so fake well, and are such bad CGI. Jabba? I meant specifically Jabba the Hutt. Yeah. So what's interesting is when I was a little kid, we had these movies on VHS, which had already been remastered, mm -hmm. sort of. Uh, I mean, they've been much uh, more updated since then. But because Jabba is in that scene, I didn't know until like five years ago that Jabba the Hutt never appeared in A New Hope originally. Been waiting for you. Gone what we be. <laughs> you didn't think I was gonna run, did you? Like, I didn't know that he was never seen until Return of the Jedi, and that when you first see him in Jabba's palace, palace, that's supposed to be like this gross unveiling. Mm -hmm. Take it a step further, I didn't know that initially the deleted scenes filmed for A New Hope Jabba the Hutt was just a big fat guy. He was a fat, gross guy. He was just a big, ugly dude, not a big worm. Well, that's what's really interesting. And if you watch the remastered version, you see a really bad version of Han walking behind Jabba. It's terrible. It's really terrible. And yep. it's just, they, they drag 
the figure of Han yep. over what would be Jabba's fat tail, and they add in a fat squeak because when they initially shot it, like you said, it was just a guy. But um, I, and- I would say that when they're parting and Han says, you're a wonderful human being, Jabba, mm-hmm. suddenly that line gets way funnier. It does. That's definitely true. It's actually not a good line at all if he's really a human being, but it's a, a great Han Solo line if it's a big slug. I mean, it's a fine line either way, but it's definitely a lot funnier. Because Jabba is this worm. Yeah. For me, actually, Jabba being in this movie and kind of in the version of it now, it adds a lot to it for me because Jabba was the big baddie for me as a kid. Really? Yeah. It wasn't Darth Vader. I love Darth Vader. And Vader becomes good in the end. And Mm -hmm. because Return of the Jedi had already been out when, like, before I was born. Right. That was a really key thing because I don't remember a time having not seen all of A New Hope, all of Empire Strikes Back, and all of Return of the Jedi. Sure. I cannot remember a time not having seen all three of those movies. And so I always knew Vader turned good in the end. Okay. I always knew that he was redeemed, or to a degree, and that I know that's a big argument you can have. But He's, He has humanity. Exactly. And the Emperor, obviously, evil, of course. He's pure evil. But for me, I don't know why, but Jabba was always the other main evil character i saw it as the emperor and jabba as being the two main villains of the entire original trilogy which is crazy because jabba is so small potatoes compared to most other villains in the movies he's part of one of the largest mafias in the galaxy and he right but he's only on tatooine which is the bottom of the barrel sort of planet and his evil is so different from palpatine's evil oh yes in that like palpatine wants power and Jabba just wants money. Yeah, he's Jabba. Just, he's just greedy. Yep. Uh, which ultimately is harmless, but it is what entangles Han's entire life and career. Mm-hmm. Uh, first impressions of Han in the in the series, like this is the first time we've seen him. Does he come off as cool as he's kind of known to be? Han is so cool. Yeah, he really is as smooth as the character. Like, and he's no matter how many times you watch it, he's still cooler than you can remember, and it makes it really hard for this upcoming movie. Yeah, uh, it's going to be really hard to capture that suave, suave demeanor. Now, I think Chewie is going to be way better in this upcoming movie. You think <laughs> Chewie got better without a doubt throughout four, five, and six? I've never really had any attachment to Chewie. Like, no, I, neither have I. He's never been one of my favorites, and I know that's going to be controversial. But... I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Like, I think he's important to Han and Mm -hmm. the Millennium Falcon. And so, like, that he's still around is really important. Um, But I don't know. He's just kind of ambiguous. Like, I find it weird that they're always describing Chewie as barbaric and uh, ruthless when he's never shown to do that, really. He's very emotional and sensitive. At times, yeah. I don't know. He's He's killed some stormtroopers, and Chewie has a war career. I guess. Hey, does does Obi Wan know Chewie? Because I can't remember a time in in Revenge of the Sith where they would have crossed paths. I don't think so. But he just comes up Yoda. to him. Yoda. Okay, so maybe he heard about Chewie through Yoda. Potential, and and there's potential that he did know him. I mean, the Wookies and the Jedi, they were quite civil. Because one so. thing that stood out to me after he and Chewie were talking in the cantina is that Obi Wan apparently speaks Wookie. Chewbacca, yeah, his first mate on a ship that might suit us. Oh, good point. Which is like considered not that common. Like previously, it was really just uh, Han who spoke Wookiee. And does Rey speak Wookiee? I guess. I feel, I feel like she does. She speaks a lot of languages. Yeah. I guess you don't really have anything else to do on Jakku. 
Right. You just have to learn all of the languages. Do you want to go over some of your favorite quotes? Because, oh my God, there are so many. There are some awesome ones. Look at my page. That is a lot of text you have on there. I've written so much. A lot of great notes. Uh, you will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Yep, that isn't Actually, he says vi- he says villainry, which is not a word. <laughs> the word is villainy. <laughs> um, I want to come with you to Alderaan. There's nothing for me here now. I want to learn the ways of the Force and become a Jedi like my father. Good one. Good line. Yeah, really beautiful. Yeah. That kind of says the whole Luke mission. It really is, yeah. It, there's nothing for him there. Mm-hmm. It's like he was going to go to the Academy anyway. But now it's Jedi path. This yeah. is way better. Exactly. I mean, these aren't the droids you're looking for. These aren't the droids you're looking for is top five Star Wars line, period. It probably is. Name of this episode? Yes. Okay. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty cool. I mean, it's the first time you, you and I were talking the other day about how somebody has broken down online all the different ways the force b- builds on itself from movie to movie. All the new things you get to see the Force doing from film to film. And this is one of the first demonstrations of the Force we see. In fact, really the first demonstrations of the Force we see in any Star Wars movie is Sith Force, is evil Force, mm-hmm. like Force choking and, and stuff like that. But uh, Ben Kenobi doing a Jedi mind trick yep, in, in just like a cheeky, smooth way is pretty cool. It is really cool. Yeah. And it's just with the wave of a hand, mm-hmm. which kind of sets the tone for all Jedi mind tricks. That's I th- right. I think Qui-Gon used them a lot. Qui-Gon was great for that. I love the hand gestures and not working on Watto. I think it was just, yeah, that is fun. Yeah. I think it's just meant to uh, help you understand what's happening. Oh, of course. It's just kind of a, an instigator. Uh, it's oh. the ship that made the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs. That's right. Obviously. Yeah, and that one a lot of people can call a mistake as well. Some people because a parsec is a unit of measurement, not of time. Okay. So like a parsec is distance. Yeah. So how do you make the Kessel? That doesn't really make sense if you think of it that way. It doesn't. But what people have um, kind of hypothesized, or I know Legends had different versions of it, but how it will be explained in the new canon mm-hmm. uh, in the new solo movie because we know we're getting the castle run in that movie or we're pretty confident we are right and that's gonna I, you add know what some... i think it's bullshit that they're giving us the castle run in this movie yeah i think it's so easy the amount of fan service they're getting out of that one dialogue like i granted it's a great line yes it is <laughs> but the the amount of fan service like they already did the line over in the force awakens and it was like ah ha 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 we yeah. just discovered han and we've already like linked back to the first thing he ever says in the films but that's one thing where they'll definitely have to bring up that correction because they just brought up a joke about that same line in the force awakens they're definitely going to need to provide some context to that. Yeah. And I think the way that they've done it and the way it's been explained in a lot of ways that can make sense is that the Kessel Run, because it is uh, a smuggler's route, okay, would be if you can do it in a way that avoids certain asteroid fields or black holes, mm-hmm. um, basically cutting it super close to the asteroids or the black hole itself more than as opposed to going around. Yeah. Uh, that would ultimately reduce the distance that you had to travel to complete the castle run. Right. So that would be the explanation that you're cutting it so close and you don't have to go around. You're almost going through. How do you think Han got that sick booth? (laughs) Great booth. In the cantina? Man, you get a booth like that, you never leave. Uh, I've got some trivia for you around the cantina that I just want to get into right now. Okay. Okay, let's get into it right now. Go for it. Uh, You give me your trivia and then I'll just... 
regulate how hard the one I want to give okay, you is. Okay, you want, you're going to be able to get this. This is pretty easy. Why does Tarkin, why does he blow up Alderaan anyway after she says the rebel base is on Dantooine? Why does he just blow it up anyway? Yeah. He's trying to prove the power of the weapon. Yeah. Basically. That's all the... Not exactly. That doesn't really say it entirely. He says um, Dantooine is too remote for an effective demonstration. Okay, I see what you mean. So he wanted to, he wanted to he's, make... He's showing it off. To the yeah, galaxy. he wanted yeah. to show off. He wanted to make a point, and Dantooine wouldn't have made a point. I'll, I actually have that in here as kind of a mistake as well, in that, yeah, you're making a mistake in that you're blowing up an entire planet, but don't try and fuck with me and say that the Death Star has not made its way known around the galaxy. Right. I mean... It was built, it was super visible, and it just blew up half of two different planets. It's been blowing up whole systems it, for a while well, at this point. It, well, not blowing up systems. It's been, it blew up, like, a huge chunk of Scarif yeah. and, like, a huge chunk of Jetta. Is this the first time they've ever blown up a full planet? It's first blow up of an entire planet, And though. they do it in seconds. It's not like when they blow up Scarif, it takes, like, 20 minutes. Well, that's also the thing, because the laser wasn't fully ready. It didn't have it. It was only operating, operating at, like, a certain capacity, not at full capacity. Right. Uh, and so that's the reason why they wanted to really do a show-off moment. And by blowing up Alderaan, a peaceful planet, I guess, that that is really it's a declaration laying, of war. Yeah, it's really laying down the... <laughs> I couldn't help but notice, gun. like the the like ground crew working on scaffolding right next to the big beam as it's readying, just like pull to the side a little bit. They're just like, oop! There goes the most destructive beam in the history of mankind. Oh, uh, the laser cannon was super lame. It was super in like the flashing lights that they yeah. had when it was going off. It was very seventies. Just the way like six beams come out of a circle and then meet in the center and fire it just looks lame to me. Yeah. Well, also Alderaan apparently had a huge bomb on it somewhere because the planet exploded once and then it explodes again. <laughs> <laughs> You're so, right. and the second one was as big, if not a bigger explosion. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that was a pretty bad explosion. It is pretty funny. What can you tell me about the cantina? Uh, so, okay, let's give me some, tri I'll give you some trivia okay. around it. Um, so, what is the name of the infamous Most Isley Cantina? I mean, I just thought it was called the Most Isley Cantina. Most Isley Cantina is called Chalman's Cantina. Okay. Chalman is a Wookiee who owns the cantina. Really? Yeah. Kind of interesting, eh? Yeah, that's not said in the movie, though. No. Okay. Um, and the other one being uh, the band is Figrin Dan and the Modal Notes. No, that's worse than Dr. Lorenzo or whatever it was. <laughs> it was Dr. Cornelius. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, but Figrin Dan, I mean, he is the best in the galaxy. Yeah. He is incredible. He has a gambling problem, though. Yeah. So Figurin Dan, I learned this also from a certain point of view. Right. Um, he has. He's a, the best in the galaxy oh, at music. He, well, I no, mean, like, I he's mean, like a conductor. They're he's tight. The, he's the band leader. They're tight. But does Eric Clapton play at the L House? Uh, well, you'll listen here. Okay. So how it worked was he's a gambler mm -hmm. and he was short on money and gambled away the lives of everyone in his band. <laughs> he sold their souls? He sold them all to Jabba. That's great. And so they had to work for Jabba. And then one night, because I forget how exactly how it went, but they uh, they sold out Greedo. Okay. And Man, everyone's connected. Well, they because Greedo, they, Greedo's a piece of shit. Yep. And they had no problem selling out Greedo. Uh, but then, of course, they were terrified of Greedo after they sold him out. But because they sold him out, Jabba let them free. Mm-hmm. 
he let them free, thankfully, in the middle of the night because uh, their species uh, will get very easily sunburned and die. <laughs> Java showed some mercy. So Java showed some mercy. Why are they on Tatooine if they're allergic to the sun? Well, that's the There's hilarious part. There's two suns. I know. That's the best <laughs> part is the fact that they still ended up having to work in Jabba's palace and then they escaped to Mos Eisley uh, but they just hadn't they got a gig there and haven't been able to uh, to get off the planet yet to get the credits to leave yeah but they've got a problem because they're playing very openly in like the most common uh, like bar in Mos Eisley where Jabba's guys happen to be hanging around yeah but Jabba let them free oh he let them go yeah they just don't have the credits to get off the planet yet I see yeah, I see. So I thought that was a pretty interesting little side story. That is bizarre. It is weird, eh? Okay, so you mentioned credits a couple of times now. I wanted to ask, when they're talking numbers, when they're trying to get a, get a ride on the Millennium Falcon, They he asks for 10, and they're like, no, we'll offer you three, and then Ben's like, we'll give you two, it's, it's, and then we'll give you 15 more. Yeah. Uh, 1,500 more or whatever, 15,000 more. Uh, yeah, so 17,000 is what they finally agree on. But they don't actually say what units of currency we're talking about. So when you say credits, do you mean like Republic credits from the Phantom Menace? Uh, well, they would be, in this instance, Imperial credits now, though. Sure. Okay. I guess that's how the system change works. I don't know. I've always just assumed that um, they just changed the name over to Imperial credits. But um... Because I feel like it's the first time we've ever really talked money was when... Uh, Qui-Gon was trying to buy pod racers. That's when we get into it a lot, into more detail in terms of the bartering and explaining the financial system of the galaxy. Um, but weirdly, when gal- he tries to offer Watto money, he says Republic credits are no good here. I need something more real, implying that they don't use that kind of currency on Tatooine. Yeah, so galactic credit, uh, the galactic credit standard. Yes. That would be the Republic cre- credits that then later became Imperial credits. Okay. Um, but yeah, they use barter systems on Tatooine. Right. Um, and clearly in certain areas, the Tatooine credits are useful because Mos Eisley is right near a hangar. So it's a lot of people who are leaving to go to other planets. And Watto is a slave owner, so he wants to deal in something exactly. more interesting. Tangible. Yeah. Okay, a couple of more quotes because uh, there's a lot of them. Oh, yeah, definitely. What a piece of junk. Yeah, I love that one. What a great line. Great quote. Uh, oh, this is this is my favorite one. Easily, easily, my and I loved this ever since I was a little kid. Watch your mouth, kid, or you're gonna find yourself floating home. Yeah, is that an was amazing an line. Excellent, excellent line. Uh, hokey religions and ancient weapons are no match for a good blaster. Yep, at your side, kid. at your side, kid. Yeah, to finish off the line and uh, let the Wookie win. Let the Wookiee win is a great line. I know that was some, when you floated out there as a name for this podcast at one point. Did I? Which is solid. Yeah, it's got a good little alliteration in there. It does have a good sound to it. Yeah. Uh, your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust them. Okay. I always kind of struggled with just the very existence of that helmet he puts on and he can't see through it. I'm like, why is there a, like a blaster shield? That you can't see through. What what good does that do? What That's the, a really good point. What is the Especially value for of someone this who doesn't believe in the Force? Yeah, that really doesn't make sense. Maybe Obi Wan brought it with him, <laughs> just in his bag of tricks. He well, had this huge bike helmet. Well, but it's, it makes sense that it would be used for Jedi training, right? So potentially he just had that with the lightsaber. I guess so. And and the um, the probe. So Hose knows the spy who's following them around on Tatooine. His name is Garandin. 
Okay, nice. That was one I did not look up, so thank you. Uh, I just, I was curious about him, because, like, I've always seen him, but I never really thought about I, him before. I just, I didn't have the time to dig deep, because that was one character that I knew literally nothing about. So he's an Imperial spy. He's kind of feeding, like, intel to the stormtroopers. I just figured he's a bounty hunter. Yeah, not even. He's a spy. I looked him up on Wikipedia. He is known as the greatest spy in Mos Eisley Spaceport. Which I feel like is not a great like That's claim not to a fame. Huge title. No, and all he does is walk around and like peek around corners. He's not the greatest. <laughs> He's got a weird hose nose, and he wears dark clothing though. So oh, okay, that so makes he, him a spy. He must be evil. Yeah. There's a funny thing where the stormtroopers are trying to find R two D two, and like three uh, PO and R two go into an alley, and then they hide inside uh, a little door. Like they open up a, a steam door, and they're like, "Let's go in here and lock the door." The door closes, and then the troopers come through, and they're like, this one's locked. Let's keep going. Like, they don't use any force to open. No. A locked door is enough to keep away a stormtrooper. But later on, all they have to do is see Han Solo, and they open fire. I know. There's two actual points I have on that little one. Uh, one of the great lines 3PO says to R2 right while they're standing in that doorway is, uh, I don't know what all the trouble is about, but I'm sure it must be your fault. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good line. That is a great line. 3PO has lots of good lines. 3PO's a wisecrack. Absolutely. Uh, but also that scene... Oh my God! The streets are so clearly just like soundstage and yeah. like a set. It is so bad. I know they have like these little lame piles of sand that they put in the corners mm -hmm. so that you can't see the fact that you could easily lift up the building. Probably. <laughs> well, I just realized something. Like I was ready to say that they did such a great job of uh, reconstructing it for Rogue One, but that wasn't Tatooine in Rogue One. No. Interestingly, that, that guy, uh, Dr. Lorenzo, was on another planet, and they just happened to run into him there. It's Dr. Cornelius. That's not better. Evazan. That's not no, better. No, it's, it's not. It isn't better. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, they were just running the streets at that point. Yeah. You just bumped him in, into him there. It's amazing how many times you can just bump into somebody yeah. who you have connections to. <laughs> can we talk about uh, the Leia scene a little bit? Uh, sure. I never noticed this before. I never noticed this, and it was easily the biggest moment for me in the three 20 seg 20 minute segments we've watched this week. in terms of thing you've never noticed before yes what was it leia's ridiculous british accent governor tuck i should have expected to find you holding vader's leash i recognized your foul stench when i was brought on board oh yeah no there's two reasons behind that uh, so one there of the can't be good reasons. Well, no. she does not speak with a British accent in these movies. But for two lines, when she's talking to Tarkin, well, she's like, "Oh, uh, I've heard I am the Queen." I've heard two different reasons. I heard one was that Carrie Fisher just does that when she's sometimes nervous on set, or <laughs> she, and she'll just slip into it, and they never weird, edited it out. What a weird tick. So that's one one reason I heard. I, I don't know anywhere to corroborate that. I'm sure there's somewhere online can look. Um, right, but well, they apparently weren't interested in doing reshoots that day because Tarkin also called her Princess Leah at one point. Oh, well, fuck, that's ridiculous <laughs> that that was not changed. I mean, that was... she's one of your main characters, and he called her the wrong name. I know, but the the, <laughs> the other reason that um, other people have like shown for the re to speak in the British accent yeah. is that she's mocking him. 
because she's not just using a British accent. She's using his British accent. And it is, if you think of Tarkin's voice and the way she says it, it's very snooty British. You don't know how hard I found it signing the order to terminate your life. I'm surprised you had the courage to take the responsibility yourself. Oh, it I is, mean, it's I, a I, snotty sort of I mocking tone. I think it's tone. well within her character to do that. Yeah, exactly. But she's not doing that. I don't think that's actually, <laughs> no, no, no. You can see it on her face. She's dead serious. Yeah. So I think that one, well, we could probably look it up really quickly. Just It is just shocking how bad this ridiculous, it's like she just hadn't fleshed out the character yet. And George was like, I don't know, are we going to do you British or not? Haven't figured it out yet. Okay, so what I've found is a mixture of everything. Okay. And that what it is is that um, later on it has been stated that it's been corrected through the book Bloodline that oh. the reason was that she was mocking him. Right. But in the real instance, it was George Lucas told her to be more serious and be more serious. And then as a result, she just started sounding more and more British. Okay. And <laughs> she could not believe that they used one of the British sounding ones in the final version of the movie. <laughs> It is brutal. Yeah. It's so terrible. It's so out of place and never repeated again. Like, I'm totally cool with her making fun of Tarkin. I just don't buy that that's what happened. Well, that's not what was intended, but that's what's been corrected it's the, it's to the fix. the best way to, to kind of look at it now, to still see it as real. I guess so. Hey, why do you, th- why do you think you're not allowed to have droids in, in the cantina? Hey, we don't serve their kind here. What? You're droids. They'll have to wait outside. We don't want them here. Takes up space that paying patrons could use. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And that's a really great answer, actually. I never thought about it before. Because, like, and that's one of the things, by the way, that doesn't really hold up very well. We talked about how stuff sounds subtly racist last week. Like, oh, yeah. We don't serve their kind here. That's like, that is, super bad. That is just a, a racist thing to say. Yeah. I mean, he's saying it about droids. Um, but uh, I thought maybe it was because, like, droids can record stuff. And so, and because all kinds of shady stuff happens in this cantina. That's a really interesting way of putting it. Huh. That's a cool perspective. They could just be considered like kind of surveillance uh, entities and they doesn't want that in his shady spot. Well, Woo Her, the bartender, uh, he, from his perspective, it was that he doesn't want droids taking up space. That's a good answer. That's fair. But I do like yours too. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That would make a lot of sense why the other patrons would not want droids within there. Right. Well, and he lets an awful lot of crazy stuff happen in there. So otherwise I can't imagine why he would have any problem with there just being some mild mannered droids hanging around. Well, yeah. Seeing as the murder just happens a few minutes later and he's totally cool with it. Like, oh, you can't bring your droids in. But if you kill someone, it's okay. That's well, right. not kill, but, you know, chop off arm. Chopped off his arm, and it doesn't cauterize the wound, as a lightsaber is said to do. I know. It exposes a lot Bloody. of blood. And this, like, completely hollow arm. Well, it, it's very clearly prop arm. Yeah, it's just it, like a hose. Yeah, and the blood everywhere did not hold up. You know what I was wondering when I was watching R2 in this movie? You know how he can, like, he can glide because he has wheels on his legs? Mm-hmm. He can also kind of hobble. He can walk along. Why does he ever walk if he can glide? I think it's the the terrain. Maybe. So if it's like sand, mm-hmm. although he does glide on sand he at certain points. into it. I know. It makes no sense. <laughs> um, or like Dagobah's very um, like root covered and rocky and unflat surface. Right. I guess kind of maybe that's the reason. Mm-hmm. But there's there was one scene where R two is hobbling along where he it's it's flat he should just be rolling. <laughs> so we've already talked a lot about about Jabba, but because it's been confirmed that he is going to be in Solo, yeah, 
He's not just going to be like a like a, a disembodied entity in Solo, but he's going to be in the film. That's what reports are. Do you think we're going to learn exactly alert. <laughs> exactly about the debts that Han is trying to pay off in this movie, or is it just going to be the start of their relationship? I hope not. I I really hope that this is not. Uh, I'm I'm okay with this being the start of the relationship. I really hope this has nothing to do with the one like because Han Jabba specifically says that Han's the best he talks about how good Han is at smuggling mm. he is the best smuggler so out you think there. they've worked together a lot so yeah okay Jabba Jabba gets him a lot of leeway okay compared to because he knows how ruthless he's, he's Han good. is supposed to be and this is an instance where Han had to just dump some spice sure and clearly he could have maybe hit it in a few different spots on board the Millennium Falcon, but he was going to get boarded and the he had to dump some of right. his shipment. So that was the reason. And if that's something that happened four years prior to uh, the kind of timeline that Solo's supposed to be, uh, that would be pretty frustrating. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I, th- I, I want to see this as either in the midst or at the start of a very long working relationship between the two. Not a good relationship, but a long one. It'll be interesting to see how different he looks uh, just in terms of CGI because, I mean, in this movie, he's terrible. It's awful. He's He looks a lot better in Return of the Jedi, but he's a puppet. He's not generated. Well, maybe they're going to do that, and I hope they would. Yeah, because they brought back Puppet Yoda. Yeah, that's right. So bring back Puppet Jabba because Puppet Jabba was great. Yeah. Man, this movie's got an uphill battle. Yeah, yeah, it's, there's not much time left, and there's not been that much, there's not been another trailer that's right. come out. What day and does it come out? It comes out May 25th, I believe. Okay, so two months from yesterday. Yeah. Holy goodness, that is very soon, isn't it? May 23rd in Sweden. All right, all right. Can I tell you about my uh, my special moment that, that made me feel warm and nostalgic? Not the first song the Cantina Band is playing, which is iconic, but the second song they're playing, which is also iconic. Reminded me instantly of the PC game Dark Forces Jedi Knight. Nice. For which we only had the demo, so we could only play the first level. Oh, that, that we had a demo disc where we had the first level of so many different Star Wars games. Yep. They were terrible, but amazing. Just replayed the same ones over and over again, and just terrible games. Yeah. <laughs> terrible games. Mysteries of the Sith was our favorite. That was a good one. No, we just played it over and over again, and, and that song is licensed for that game, and they use it, and so it kind of sounds, because I've heard it more times playing that game than I've seen the movie, because I've played that that one level of that game hundreds, hundreds of times. times. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's funny. So I kind of remembered that video game. Um, one thing drawn from last week that we talked about back to kind of the racism with sand people, um, but from a certain point of view, heard some interesting things about kind of sand people uh, and how the sand people that went on the trip that uh, to hunt down Luke and R2, mm-hmm. um, the interesting thing there was they just came across them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the leader of the clan was the one who waited back with the Banthas, uh, a young um, Tuscan raider who was trying to prove himself in the camp was the one who went after Luke. And the reason why they ran away was because they were told of this sorcerer that was within the area. Oh. And this magic man. And so the magic man, when he arrives and makes the sound of a crate dragon, yeah, something that is like a, a fearsome creature 
to the Tuscan Raiders, um, that was the the crazy ghoul sound was actually strategic and right. made a lot of sense and was the exact thing to scare him away. They're like, we don't fuck with those guys. Yeah, exactly. Like, nope. Okay, we'll leave. Okay. Yeah. No, that's good. I'm really glad to have some reasoning behind the silly ghoul noise. Exactly. It was super I, cool. I was really having a problem with the ghoul noise. Yeah, the dumb ghoul noise <laughs> was a dragon noise. Very cool. Yeah. Do you have any more any more observations and thoughts? Because I think we got through an awful lot here. Um, a couple more back to last time. Okay. Um, R5. Yep. Uh, so he short-circuited himself mm-hmm. specifically because R2 communicated to him that he needed to save the galaxy. That's so cool. Yeah. And he he had, sent him like a little texty text. Well, they just communicated back and forth within their binary language. Yeah. And they were, he was able to convince him that it really was that he had the information that was vital to, you know, the freedom of the galaxy. Yeah. And, uh, R five short circuited himself specifically so that R two would be able to go with three PO nice. and R five actually was able to escape because he was just within a junk pile on the sand crawler when stormtroopers raided uh, the sand crawler a few days later. Okay, so R five still out there somewhere. R five was fine. R five saved the galaxy and lived to fight another day. You're right. He's kind of a hero after all. Was on the sand crawler for four years, and then R five saved the galaxy. Look Did you know that. he was the ring bearer at Chris Hardwick's wedding? That's fucking hilarious <laughs> that is so obscure yeah, it's true though why r5 <laughs> because they could get him <laughs> like for real <laughs> also from a certain point of view there was proof that it was stormtroopers that killed the lars not uh boba fett right uh so it did mention that um, there was one that Baru lars kind of tells her life story in like four or five minutes. They actually had like a heartbreaking Baru moment. Yeah, it was weird to kind of hear everything that her life was in so few words. What was she? What was her life? Uh, she was a farmer's wife. Yeah. She was a moisture farmer's wife who made really good uh, blue milk cheese. <laughs> I love that so much. She was, <laughs> she like you said, she was like Mrs. Cracker Barrel of Tatooine. Yeah. Well, that's too bad because yeah. she met a... a pretty brutal demise a pretty terrible death yeah but she was proud of luke uh-huh so that's that was good <laughs> i i still kind of like the theory that boba fett came in and torched the place it even, is a even really if it's solid not true it's a really good uh mystery um i've got another trivia question for you just for okay. fun okay you can't you have to bring in some ones that i'll actually know the answer to okay well, otherwise i'll just feel terrible okay well i do enjoy having the really really hard ones you like stumping me yes so you're probably not going to want this one either all right well hit me okay well the release of what speeder made luke speeders decrease in value i don't know the firebolt <laughs> the xp38 the Nimbus 2001 the xp38 yeah all right okay he just gives up his speeder pretty, uh, pretty easily, doesn't he? Well, he's, he's like, not, he doesn't want to leave. He, he's he's leaving. I know, but like that's a teenager giving up his first car. Yeah, that's fair. But he's also running away from home You're because right. his home was burnt down. Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing for there's me here. Really, nothing but death left for him on Tatooine. That's so true. She lied. She lied to us. I told you she would never consciously betray the rebellion. Terminator immediately. Uh, okay, so we have have we said everything about the about the movie about the third twenty minute period 
of the original Star Wars movie, which is to say we've rounded out the first hour of Star Wars. I'd say so. Okay. Yep. Um, I think just the news left, the okay, world of Star Wars. Okay, what's what's going on? Not too much, uh, but The Last Jedi Blu-ray comes out tomorrow, so uh, I'll be buying that, which yeah. is awesome. Yep. Uh, executive producer credits for Lord and Miller on the Solo movie. I mean, that's the right thing to I do. I think it is, too. By the sounds of things, they were creating a movie that didn't necessarily play the right way with the Han Solo character mm-hmm. or how you deal with Star Wars scripts. I mean, there's been different reports coming out here and there. We'll never know exactly the movie they were going to make. Exactly. We never will. I mean, Donald Glover has said great things. There's also been tons of reports saying that they were making like Space Ventura. Yeah. And like, who knows exactly how it was. If they were making anything like Space Ventura, then this is the most I'd ever want them to get credit because I'm that's sure, terrible. I'm but. sure that is just a, a rumor built of a single photo taken from set where yeah. Alden Ehrenreich's hair is pretty pompadour-esque. But that might have just... He might not have been done at hair and makeup yet. Yeah, no, it was mentioned uh, from an insider that that was kind of the vibe that they were getting. I think it came on like a Reddit post or something. Oh, my. Uh, but either way, that is not the movie we're getting, thank God. Uh, but one little bit of uh, insight that was cool was the Cloud Rider gang. So pictures released. Um, Cloud Rider gang led by uh, Enfys Nest. Uh, they're um, the new bad guys within the solo film. So that cool shot with uh, the gang and they kind of have like these tribal masks on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's almost like a gunslinger sort of duel. It looks right. like Han's going to gonna shoot against one Some of them. It's a Western motif. It's a very Western cool scene. Yeah. Uh, so there's a picture of them just a little bit about their, um, about who they are. Um, so just the the Cloud Riders were a swoop gang operating on Aduba Three and led by Sergi X uh, Arrogantus. <laughs> These are better names than they lived in the Dr. hills just outside uh, Onakra. Once a year, they would attack the village, stamping, uh, stampeding the villagers' banthas, uh, burning their crops, and carrying off their women. <laughs> Oh, my. So they look like raiders, essentially. Yeah. All right. Spoiler alert. Yeah, Holy moly. this really is. Yeah. Well, some of it came from toy packaging. I know that. But, uh, well, actually, yeah, it looks like most of it is just from toy packaging. They give a lot away on toy packages. I know Lego's given away spoilers in the past. Is that right? Yeah. How so? Um, just small things, like giving away, like, tiny little character details on, like, Lego sets. Okay. Within the imagery or within the objects people are holding. Yeah, I can't think of any examples off like Finn head. having a lightsaber or something like that. Yeah, some shit like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, is that everything? Yep, that's pretty much everything within the news of Star Wars. All right, another good one. We're done the first hour of Star Wars. Yep, it's a good movie. I think I think it's gonna be big. Yeah, I think you mark my words. People are gonna like this one. All right. Well, until next week, may the force be with you. <laughs> <laughs>